Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hello, church. Super thankful to be with you today. And uh, online family, we're thankful for you. Avon people, I got to hang out with you last Sunday, and you are super friendly. So um, cheer out there in Avon. See, we heard you in this room. Go ahead and cheer for them and everybody else. They could hear you. Ah, that's super good. Okay, we're going to do something together that we've never really done before. We're actually going to allow, you know, maybe a minute, minute and a half right now to fill out these cards, okay? So on your seat, there's a card, there's a pen. And these cards we will collect at the end um, uh, to be sent to people who are in prison, who are in jail. And we're gonna join with Amy from Ohio and her heart uh, for what what God is is doing through these cards is just phenomenal. We never know what this act of love will do for someone um, that finds himself, man or woman, incarcerated. And uh, so just take a moment, maybe just jot a brief encouragement Maybe a verse reference that's meaningful to you and just your first name. And then uh, I'm going to do mine right now too. Okay, so let's go for it. super encouragers, the long-winded of you. Five seconds left, wrap it up. Like I said, we'll collect these on the way out and uh, maybe just be praying for whoever ends up receiving your card, that it would be the right word at the right time for them. We just have no clue how this act of love is going to impact uh, some people that desperately 
need that, that touch from, from God. Uh, we're talking today about loving one another. And this is really such an important thing for us to linger around because loving one another must be like the, the, the soil upon which our church is, is built. If there is a really rich love soil that is the foundation of our church here, then who knows what can grow? I mean, some phenomenal things will grow out of that type of soil. If the language that you and I speak most fluently is the language of love, my goodness, then the ripple effects of that right here in our own family, brothers and sisters in Christ, part of Connection Point, it's going to be tremendous. And love is an absolute game changer when it's expressed and lived out amongst the people of God. It is the game changer. I, I started as a youth pastor and I started in this little mountain church in California and working with students, teenagers there. And I was blessed because I got to start in a church that really did a good job at loving each other. But the predominant adult population of our church was about 124 years old. <laughs> and uh, yet they were good lovers of people. And we had a youth group that just kind of took off and, and it, was, it was growing rapidly. And so they, they said, well, go ahead and meet in the sanctuary, in the worship center, because it was the only place large enough to accommodate all the students that were starting to come. And so we moved into the sanctuary, which um, was kind of picture a little bit of the, the old church, the stained glass window behind and pews wooden pews. There weren't even cushions on the pews. These were medieval torture devices that had been used in the 1400s. They brought in uh, to this particular church just big slabs of wood. And yet, about two weeks prior to us getting to move in with the students, uh, they had upholstered the pews. They had put cushions on the pews and this kind of nice upholstery on them so they looked better and they were more comfortable. Then we moved in. I was a little bit nervous because if you've got teenagers or you know you're a teenager, um, you're not real neat and tidy. And so we went in and no kidding, on the first night meeting in the adult sanctuary, um, some of the students got into the room before the leaders got into the room and they were chasing each other through the sanctuary, throwing grape jelly packets at each other. And grape jelly packets had hit paintball style the pews and splattered grape jelly stains all over the brand new upholstered pews. And just a few days later was big people church or old people church. And I was having to do the announcements and the welcome on that particular Sunday and I was terrified because I thought, I knew that this 128-year-old grandmother was just going to decapitate me or break my neck or something because she was going to be upset about the pews. And so I went in to do the welcome and do the announcements, and I'm stumbling through the announcements, and I knew I needed to make an apology. 
And I started to make my apology for the mess that we had made. And about, about halfway through my apology, there was an old man that stood up in the middle of the church congregation and stopped me in my tracks. He said, Ron, Ron, Ron. He said, be quiet. And I was. <laughs> and Dr. Bob Carpenter, I still remember him. This is some 25 plus years ago. Dr. Bob Carpenter stopped me in my tracks and he said, Ron, Ron, he said, stop apologizing. He said, those grape stains will forever prove that we love our kids more than we love our pews. And, and it still gets me today. It still gets me that, that love that was expressed to me and the love that then was expressed to the students and even that simple story here now, 25 plus years later, I mean, love in little ways, love in extravagant ways, love in the sacrificial ways expressed in the family of God is an absolute game changer. Loving one another is key for us as Christians. And we're wrapping up this series called Jesus Follower today where we've been talking about a handful of practices that are really the way of Jesus, that Jesus modeled for us, that if we follow in his footsteps, we put these things into practice as his followers, then we will, we will grow. These things will change us. We will grow in Christ-likeness when we follow Jesus in these areas. We talked about surrender being one of those things. That if we just got this heart of surrender, a posture of submission before God, that he works in that on a constant basis. That if we're a people of prayer, we're just in constant dialogue with our heavenly father that loves us so much and loves when we talk to him and loves to talk to us in prayer, that he floods through that. If we would commit to that relational time with God in his word, that his word has given us everything that we need for life and that he ministers to us and he guides us and directs us by equipping us in his word and that we are to serve one another, that the sum total of the Christian life was not just intake, but then it was meant to make its way out of us in humble service to one another. And then lastly, today, we're gonna to talk about loving one another. That loving one another is that rich soil. It's the fluent language that we must speak because we can be good students of the word and we can be prayer warriors and we can have a heart that surrendered to God, but the intent was that love is the thing that trumps everything else. God himself is love. And if we're walking with him, and if we're talking with him, and we're listening to him and his word, then he who is love is going to make his way out of us and through us. We must love one another. This is not an option. And this is the game changer for Connection Point. It's the game changer for believers all over the world. And when we love each other right, 
in the same way that Jesus loved us, then my goodness, the watching world will be changed also. And we've got a heart for everybody outside of our church that doesn't know Jesus yet. Even if you're here and you don't know Jesus yet, we got a heart for you. Why? Because God's got a heart for you. And we've got to love one another. John chapter 13, where Pastor John was teaching last week, John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says it so clearly. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. Love each other. There it is. Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, Jesus is is the one that's doing the loving. Jesus loves us. He's modeled it for us. And the type of love that Jesus loves us with is pretty extravagant. It's pretty sacrificial. It's extremely generous. And it's not the type of love that comes easily. And so he's calling us to his level of love. And we are to have that for each other. And that type of love that we would express to each other would be just an absolute game changer. And connection point, I gotta tell you, I gotta give a little bit of testimony today that over the last year and a half of us getting to travel back and forth and spend time with you, the love that you have expressed to me and my family has been a game changer for me and my family. And then this last month or so, that we've got to make the move here and actually become a part of this church family and this fellowship. The love that you have expressed has been overwhelming. I, I dare say it's, it's more and better love than I've ex- experienced anywhere else we have ever lived from you as a family of believers. And I, I, can't, even, I can't even begin to communicate what that's meant Some of you have showed up and been mowing our lawn because why does an Arizona person need a lawnmower? I didn't even know one existed. We just had rocks. We didn't have a lawn. What is this green stuff you guys have? You guys have helped financially. You've given gift cards. You've been so generous with opening your home, offering for us to move in with y'all. I'd do that with all of y'all. But my goodness, just the encouragement, indeed you've been loving us, and then in word you have been loving us to the point that it's just like really humbling and really overwhelming. And the staff team has been so encouraging, and Pastor John is just, he's so humble and so generous with his words like behind the scenes and off stage. I mean, he's such a man of God and he's, he loves me so much. Like I get as excited as his dog Sonny gets when I see Pastor John now. He comes into the room, I wet myself, roll in the floor. I can't help but pee greet the man just like his dog. It's, it just comes out of this overflow of excitement for Pastor John. He's gonna hate me for that, but... I don't really care, I'm on staff now. What are you gonna do? (laughs) Loving one another is key. You know, in the New Testament alone, there's some 
100 plus references to these one another's. And about 55 or 60 of these New Testament references to what we are to do to one another, 55 or 60 of them or so are tied to how we are to love one another, be in relationship with one another. And so community, fellowship, relationship, friendship, the love expressed in the family of God, it's the heart of God. It's the heart of the New Testament church. Fast forward all the way here today to 2022. It's important. It is crucial. It is powerful for me and you. Now, it's probably also helpful to understand when we start talking about all these one another's, you know, there are some one another's that are not in the Bible. And unfortunately, a lot of us, we practice a lot of the one another's that are not in the Bible. And don't practice the love one another that's repeated over and over again in the Bible. A pastor and author jotted down a handful of one another's that are not in the Bible. Here's a handful. Here's what's not called upon for me and you. We're not called to scrutinize one another, pressure one another, embarrass one another, corner one another, interrupt one another, defeat one another, shame one another marginalize one another, exclude one another. We're not called to judge one another, run one another's lives, or confess one another's sins. The list could go on and on. We are not called to do these sorts of things to one another. That's not fitting for the family of God. It's not fitting for brothers in Christ. And yet, if you've been around the block long enough, I know you have experienced some church hurt. It's disgusting. Many of us have spent seasons where we've walked away from God or walked away from the church because we've spent time in one that didn't love each other the way that Jesus loves us. This is massive for me and you to get as simple a concept as it is it's not always easy to put into practice because people aren't always easy to love. I'm not always easy to love. And that's real. The church is not filled with perfect people. It's filled with a bunch of broken down, beat up sinners and we're all in need of grace and we're all in need of love. And so I'm thankful for the ones that love me the way that Jesus has loved them because they're the real game changers. And loving one another is massively key. We're gonna go back to John chapter 13 today where Pastor John was last week in talking about service. And at the risk of talking through the same passage again, it really dovetails together because the passage is kind of lengthy and some of the parts that John taught on last week, I will not teach on today and, and vice versa, but they go together. As Pastor John shared, the heart of Jesus expressed in service as he washed his disciples' feet. We're going to talk about it and see Jesus' heart not just of service, but that his heart of service was motivated by a heart of love. Because you can serve out of other motivations than love, can't you? We can bring service to people out of obligation, feeling like we're gonna let them down, 
Someone told me to, so I'm going to serve. But that sort of service, it can have value for a short time, but it'll usually be kind of short-lived because, because you're just doing it because someone told you to. But my goodness, the service that comes out of a heart that's motivated by love, that, that's the heart of Jesus. And that's the service that Jesus provided for his disciples. But it came from a heart of love. Look at John chapter 13, right at verse 1. What we're going to see here, I'm going to tell you what we're going to see, and then we're going to look at it together. We're going to see that Jesus loves believers. He loves his disciples, one, right where they're at, two, to the very end, and three, selflessly, sacrificially. He loves us right where we're at. He loves us all the way to the very end, and he loves selflessly. And the way that he loves is honestly the model for us and how we're to love our brothers and sisters. Verse one, before Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. See, what's taking place here, and honestly, in John's gospel over the next four chapters or so, everything that's recorded in the next four chapters takes place on one evening, the, the night leading up to his crucifixion the next day. And they're celebrating the Passover together. He's gathered his 12 disciples together. They're gonna enjoy a last meal and have some deep conversation together. And he's gathered them together and then look at this. He says, it says, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel he had around him. Then look at verse six. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And then Peter protested, no, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. There's a lot more going on here than just the foot washing. He's painting a picture for them. Well, it clicks, thank goodness. Look at verse nine. Simon Peter exclaimed, well, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. <laughs> okay, I, I want to belong to you. I, I, I don't think I fully understand, but... Uh, it just seems weird that you as my Lord, as my rabbi, as God, that you would take this place of servant, of slave, humble yourself and wash my feet. And foot washing, as Pastor John shared last week, was a very humble act. It was a common thing as people traveled on dirt roads wearing open-toed shoes and You'd come into someone's home and this was a regular practice. 
They would wash your feet. And as Pastor John talked about last week, 12 disciples, 10 toes each, 120 toes. And then guy feet are always way worse than girl feet. So this is really disgusting. And yet Jesus drops to his knees to express a heart of love to his guys. You think they'd ever forget that? And he drops to his knees and washes their feet with his heart expressing the love that he had. And the guys, before it even starts, they can't, they can't hardly receive it, you know? Why is it so hard for you and I to receive love? It's really hard. I know there's tons of you that are just real good servants and you have a real heart to love other people and I I feel that way. I really love loving people and I love serving people. But there's a part of me that knows that sometimes I'm doing it kind of out of self-serving motives. I like the way it feels when I'm doing something for someone else or how they might think about me if I do something for them in that regard. But something tells me Jesus isn't doing this out of selfish motivation. It's hard to be on the receiving end. It's hard to be on the receiving end when someone does something for you, especially something extravagant or unexpected, When they take a humble posture before you, it's hard to receive. It takes humility to receive love, doesn't it? And pride gets in the way with us an awful lot. I mean, the disciples in this setting have just been having conversations about which one of them is the best. They're wrestling with pride. And now the response that Peter, Peter's kind of typically the mouthpiece for the disciples, and Peter is the one who speaks up, even though I think probably the rest of the disciples were thinking the same thing, and he's just saying, Lord, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. There was, there was something there just because this isn't right. I don't know if I can allow you to love me this way. And unfortunately, there might be many of you that just go, I don't know, God, if I can allow you to love me this way. And sometimes there's a little bit of pride in that sort of heart. Pride can get us thinking, you know, I'm better than you or I'm better than that. And if, if we're thinking I'm better than you, I'm better than someone else, I'm better than one another, then we're going to have a really hard time loving one another if we're thinking we're always better than one another. And what Jesus, who was very nature God, modeled was, I'm God, I am Lord, but I'm going to humble myself and express love to you at a whole different level. Here, and then he's gonna express it in a historic level, going to the cross the next day. Man, that's a huge, huge, dramatic picture of love. And so before we get to loving one another, can we just stop for just a minute? 
and wrap our minds and our hearts around this idea that I think if we are to love one another the way that Jesus loved us, we've got to start with receiving Jesus' love for us. Let's not sprint out ahead of him. Let's not try to love one another out of our own grit, our own strength, our own power, our own energy. You could do that for a little while, but I I guarantee you, that sort of love that's just self-motivated, it'll run out. It's in limited resource. But the type of love that you have received from Jesus, and if you're constantly surrendering to him and seeking him and talking to him in prayer and soaking in his word, and you're receiving his love for you in all these different forms, now then out of the overflow of what he is pouring into you, now you can love other people. We've got to start with receiving his love before we're going to be any good at loving others the way that he has loved us. In other words, we kind of got to be more like sponges than rocks. I've got a little tray. Look at this. Watch this. Ta-da. A lot of us have been hardened by life. You've been beat up and maybe been hurt by love, uh, people, the lack of love that you've experienced or whatever. Maybe you got a hard heart, been hardened by life. The problem with having a hard heart and being hardened by life and being more like a rock is when love gets poured out on you, it just runs right off. Rocks aren't very good at receiving much of soaking up much, of absorbing much that comes its way. It just comes right off. And in no time, this thing would dry off. There might be a temporary, a superficial sort of, oh, that felt interesting or different or new. But that's kind of the end of it. Wear a sponge. You and I should be little sponges. Maybe I'll just call you that from now on. Hey, little sponge. Call each other that. Because sponges are different. Sponges are absorbent. Even if you got that sponge that's been used a little bit much and it hasn't received much love lately, it's been hard. It doesn't take much, right, for even a hard sponge to soak up some love. It it, it receives it and it changes the consistency of it. The feel of it changes. And as little sponges, what I love about sponges as opposed to rocks is now what, what it has received can be transported. Wherever this goes, what's been poured into it goes with it. And it can be poured out onto other sponges, and so on and so forth. And this is God's heart for me and you, little sponges, is that we would receive his love, and then wherever we go in the family of God in particular, and yes, to people who aren't a part of the family, that we would just be receiving his love, and he, we come in here, and we, we read his word, and we just soak it all up, saturates us, 
And then when you're coming in the parking lot, when you're talking to each other, and when you're in your small group, and when you're all, you're just pouring his love that you've received into each other. And then when you get left out to dry for a little while, you'll get hard again. But then uh, what I pray is that then another believer would come alongside, oh, you look kind of hard and you're kind of flaky and kind of dry. Jesus has been loving me like crazy lately. Can I just encourage you a little bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, that feels so good. You know, it's amazing. That's enough of that. Turning to Pastor John's dog there for a second. But little sponges, my goodness, when we get good at receiving his love, we'll be really good at pouring that love out. It won't be trying so hard. It'll just be the natural overflow of what we're receiving on a consistent basis from him. Love one another. See, they're gonna go into a difficult conversation right after the the Last Supper and Jesus is gonna identify that Judas is gonna betray him. He's gonna later identify that Peter is gonna deny even knowing him. And if you just contrast those two, because the rest of the disciples are also gonna desert Jesus right at crunch time. So Jesus is pouring this love out, knowing that not all the guys are gonna get it, knowing that not all the guys are gonna receive it. But if you contrast Judas and Peter, one of them is gonna go out in betrayal and then take his own life. The other is gonna go out and deny even knowing Jesus and yet come back around. And you contrast those and one of the major differences I think in their response had to do with their ability to just receive Jesus' love and Jesus' restoration. Judas, I don't know what was going on there, but his heart was so hardened that he just couldn't even wrap his mind around forgiveness and grace and mercy and receive the love that God had for him. Peter, on the other hand, walked away, messed up, and yet something in him was able to receive it. If you fast forward to verse 33 and 34, when Jesus pulls it all together, Jesus says in verse 33, dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going, at least not yet. Verse 34, here it is. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. And new commandment there had more of a meaning of like fresh, not so much different. He says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, I love this because Jesus had a replacement plan Jesus wasn't going to stay in his earthly ministry forever and ever. He dies on the cross. He's resurrected from the grave. He spends a little time, and then he's ascended back to heaven where he sits now at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf, still on the throne. But then he has given us, his disciples, 
He has given us his spirit. And his spirit will produce more and more love in us the more that we're walking with him. And out of the overflow of the work of the spirit of God, there's all this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness, self-control. Love is just a byproduct of the work of the spirit of God in me and you. That's spectacular. Jesus' replacement plan for himself was the church, was brothers and sisters in Christ who have trusted in Jesus, surrendered to Jesus, who are now loving each other the way that Jesus has loved us. My goodness, what a mission you and I have. And it starts right here with each other. And then it makes its way to those who do not know him yet. But the beautiful picture is right here the love that you and I can have for each other. Mother Teresa, in all of her work with the poor and the sick, Mother Teresa was interviewed once and she was asked, how do you do this? How have you done this for year after year after year? How do you get up and tend to the needs of lepers and tend to the needs of poor and, and, and minister to children who are dying? She said, how do you keep doing it? How do you love like this over and over and over again? And she said, you know what? When I'm tending to a leper, when I'm caring for a baby who's going to pass away, she said, I look them in the eye and she said, I get the eerie sensation that it's Jesus looking back at me. What if we treated everyone around us in this family as if it were Jesus looking back at us. Which echoes the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter five, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. What if we loved each other as if it's just a little version of Christ to our left and our right and our front and our back in our small groups with whom we have fellowship and relationship with? It's huge. Tertullian was a first century theologian and apologist and writer, and he wrote down what he was hearing non-believers say about Christians in the first century. Here's what he said. What he had observed that the pagans were saying about Christians in the first century was, see how they love each other. See how they'd even be ready to die for one another. My goodness. What the Christians were known for in the first century was the way that they loved each other to the very end, sacrificially. How about us today? So just by way of summary, I really believe wholeheartedly that loving one another, it starts with receiving Jesus' love for us. We gotta allow him to love us on a constant basis. We also then, like Jesus said, become the, the branches to his vine. When we're just attached, like John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine and, and you are the branches. Remain in me and I'll remain in you and you will bear much fruit. We just stay connected with him. And a lot of these practices that we've been looking at for the last few weeks and the byproduct of that will be a loving heart 
and that love expressed. Loving one another also meets believers right where they're at and to the very end and selflessly. This type of love is a whole different type of love that says, I'm gonna meet you right where you're at. You might have just come into a relationship with Jesus. Okay, what you need is different than someone that's been walking with Jesus for a long time. Or you might have walked away for a while. Or you you might be in a rough patch and you love Jesus with everything that you've got. Or you might love Jesus with everything you've got, but you just feel lonely. Well, what you need, depending on where you're at, is all different, right? And, And there's various expressions of love that would be appropriate depending on where you're at, right? Speaking the truth in love is different than real generous words of encouragement, isn't it? But depending on where you're at, you might need one or the other. Both of them are love, but different expressions of it. And we're gonna love the way that Jesus did to the very end. He loved them right up to the end of his earthly ministry, and then he's gonna love us all the way through eternity. There's no end to his love for you. That's true. We gotta love one another for the long haul. I know there's some people that you're burdened for that aren't receiving your love. Keep loving them anyway. How glorious it would be for you to take your last breath The Lord calls you home and you knew you loved whoever you're thinking about all the way to the very end, regardless of how they responded to you. The type of love that Jesus has, listen, doesn't ever take into account the worthiness of the recipient of that love. He just loves anyway, and we need to do the same. That's selfless love. Loving one another is evidence. It's evidence that we're following Jesus. It's proof to the world. The world will then know by the way they see us loving each other. And that sort of love will change the world. So, I leave you with a question. Here's the question. If we love one another the way that Jesus loves us, What will our communities look like 20 years from now? You and I get to decide. I can picture it, can you? If we receive his love on a regular basis as a Jesus follower, let him pour himself into us and then get generous and extravagant with the way that we love each other, I could tell you lives are gonna be changed in this church family and they're gonna be changed wherever the ministry of this church goes. And that's gonna extend to Indiana and other states across this nation and across this world. When we do what God has called us to do as his followers in the simple act, not the easy act, but the simple act of loving one another the way that Jesus loves us, the entire world can look different 20 years from now. In the name of an almighty God, let's join hands, little sponges, and do it together. Amen. And so gracious heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the love that you've poured out to us. We thank you that you love us right where we're at and all the way throughout all of eternity, you will never ever stop loving us. But that sacrificial love, that unconditional love, that selfless love is not a sort of love that comes easily to us. 
And so we need to receive that sort of love on a regular basis from you. And we want to be people who, upon receiving it, just are quick to pour it out, to give it away. Use it however you see fit. And I pray for those that need that sort of love right now, that they would experience that here, getting connected into this church family. We thank you that you loved us first so that we could be people of love. So we, connect, we commit the next 20 years to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.